0: Volume two, chapter two of *The Old Manor House*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. *The Old Manor House* by Charlotte Turner Smith, Volume Two, Chapter Two. Orlando, on entering the servants' hall found betty waiting for him as she had promised lord sir she cried as soon as he appeared i thought as you'd never come why it's almost half past one o'clock and i'd be frightened out of my seven senses sitting up so all alone i beg your pardon dear betty he replied but i could not get away sooner i'll never detain you so long again and now suffer me to make you what amends i can by desiring your acceptance of this he presented her with a crown which she looked at a moment and then archly leering at him said hmm, if you give folks a crown for sitting up for you in the kitchen i suppose these as bides with you in your study have double price come come betty said orlando impatient to escape from her troublesome inquiries let me hear no more of such nonsense i have nobody ever in my study as you very well know it is very late i wish you a good night he then without attending to her further, as she seemed still deposed to talk took his candle and went to his own apartment where after waiting about a quarter of an hour till he thought her retired and the whole house quiet he took his way to the turret Monimia had long expected him, and now received him with joy chastised by the fear which she felt on inquiring into the events of the day. Orlando related to her all that he thought would give her pleasure, and endeavoured that she should understand the affair of the next day settled, for he would not violate truth by positively asserting it, and Monimia, apprehensive of teasing him by her inquiries, stifled as much as she could the pain she endeavoured from this uncertainty. This she found it better to do, as she observed Orlando to be restless and dissatisfied. He complained of the misery he underwent in his frequent absences, and of the unworthy excuses he was compelled to make. He expressed impatiently the long unhappiness he had in prospect. If he could never see her but thus candlestinely. And risking every moment her fame and peace. Monimia, however, soothed him by bidding him remember how lately it was that they both thought themselves too happy to meet upon any terms, and would very fain have inspired him with hopes that they might soon look forward to fairer prospects, hopes which he had often tried to give her, but alas! She could not communicate what she did not feel, and whichever way they cast their eyes, all was despair as to their ever being united with the consent of those friends on whom they were totally dependent. Orlando, Miss Solitus for the Peace of Monomia, had never been betrayed before until these murmurings in her presence. Forgetting the threatening aspects of the future, while he enjoyed the happiness that was present, but all that had passed during the day had assisted in making him discontent. His mother's tears and distress, the tender fears of his sisters, and the less evident but more heavy anxiety which he saw oppress his father, all contributed to conceive him that, in being of so much consequence to his family, he lost the privilege of pleasing himself, that his duty and his inclination must be forever at variance and that, if he could resign the hopes of being settled in affluence by Mrs. Rayland, he still could not marry Mon without making his family unhappy, unless, indeed, he had the means of providing for her, of which, at present, there appeared not the least probability. Mrs. Rayland seemed likely to live for many years, or, if she died, it was very uncertain whether she would give him more than a trifling legacy. When he reflected on his situation he became ashamed of thus spending his life, of wasting the best of his days in the hope of that which might never happen, while Monimia, almost a prisoner in her little apartment, passed the days in servitude, and divided the night between uneasy expectation, hazardous conference, and fruitless tears. It was these thoughts that gave to Orlando, the air of impatience and anxiety, which even in the presence of Monimia he could not so far conquer, but that she observed it, before he broke through the restraint he had hitherto imposed on himself, and indulged those fears which he had so often entreated to check. At length, however, the hope she affected to feel, the charm of finding himself so fondly beloved and that his monomia was prepared to meet any destiny with him restored him to that temper which he was in when he proposed to brave the discovery of their attachment with difficulty she persuaded him to leave her about three o'clock he glided softly down the stairs and when he came out of the lower room of the turret he found the night so very dark that he could not see his hand he knew the way however so well that he walked slowly but fearlessly on and had nearly reached the chapel door when he found his feet suddenly entangled and before he could either disengage himself or discover what that thus impeded his way somebody ran against him whom he seized and loudly demanded to know who it was and who are you replied a deep surly voice let me go it shall be the worst day's work you ever did in your life orlando now convinced that he had taken the fellow who had so insolently intruded upon him and so cruelly alarmed monimia felt himself provoked to punish him for his past insolence and deter him from repeating it he therefore grimly grasped his prisoner who seemed a very stout fellow and who struggled violently for his release So violently, indeed, that Orlando, exerting all his strength, threw him down, but in doing so, the rope which he had at first trod upon being in the way, he fell also. Still, however, he held his antagonist fast, and, kneeling upon him, said resolutely, Whoever you are, I will detain you here till daylight, unless you instantly tell me your name and your business. Curse your strength! "'replied the fallen foe. "'If I was not a little boozy, "'I'd be dead before you should have the better of me.' "'Who are you?' again repeated Orlando. "'Why, who the plague should I be?' cried the man. "'But Jonas Wilkins.' "'Ah, Master Orlando, I knows you too well enough. "'Come, sir, let a body go. "'I know you'd scorn to do a proper man no harm.' Jonas Wilkins, explained Orlando, who knew that to be the name of an outlawed smuggler, famous for his resolution, and the fears in which he was held by the Custom House officers. Jonas Wilkins, and I pray, inquired Orlando, releasing him, what may have brought you here, Mr. Jonah Wilkins. Why, I'll tell you, replied the fellow, for I knows you to be a kind-hearted gentleman and won't hurt me. The truth of the matter then is this: the butler of this ere house, Mister Patterson, is engaged in a little matter in our business, and when we gets a cargo, he stows it in madam's cellars which lays alongside the house, and he have the means to open that door and there in the wall under that there old fig tree, which nobody knows nothing about, so ere we brings our goods till such a time as we can carry it safely up the country. "'and we comes on dark nights to take it away. "'And you were here on Monday night, were you not? "'And came into my room with the chapel?' "'Yeah, I did that, sure enough. "'Ah, uh, Master Orlando, I think we've caught one another.' "'If that be the case,' replied Orlando, "'it would have been well if we had kept one another secret. "'Why did you speak of having seen one in my room?' Eh God!' Old Patterson was down in the cellar himself, for we were helping up some heavy goods that night. I don't know what a devil held me, but I thought I'd just give a look into your room, where, you must know, before you come to live, we used now and then to put a few kegs or so upon a pinch. And damn it, there was you with a pretty girl, and her master Orlando, who'd think you were such a sly one. Well, but, said Orlando, what occasion was there, Jonas, for you telling Patterson? To tease the old son of a bitch, answered Jonas. Why don't you know that he's after Betty Richards and as jealous as poison? So I made him believe twas she. You made him believe? Aye, for it might be she or another. Curse me if I saw who it was you blowed out the candle whisk in a minute orlando heartily glad to hear this pursued his inquiry further pray he resumed tell me why some person a little while after cried out now now why we thought that all was quiet and as i and a comrade of mine was waiting for the goods we were going to eave them up and that was the signal but you were plaguely quick-eared and began to holler after us so we were forced to let the job alone till tonight, and Pattinson let us out through the other part of the house. We've done the business now, and my comrades, they be all off with the goods. I only stayed to gather up our tools, because I was going another way. Orlando, now finding himself thus unexpectedly relieved from the difficulty of accounting for the circumstance of the night of alarm, far from resenting the resistance of his new acquaintance had made or heeding the pain he felt for some bruise which he had received in the struggle but being rather pleased at this rencontre and wishing to know how far the trade of worship for mr patterson was likely to impede his future meetings with Monomia, he invited jonas into his room and told him he could give him late as it was a glass of wine jonas accepted his invitation but desired he might stay to coil up his ropes which he deposited in the porch and then followed orlando who had taken his hanger from the chimney where it usually hung and put his pistols which were both loaded by him these precautions were not meant against his guest whom he did not suspect of any immediate intention to injure him but to let him see that he was prepared against intrusion from which whatever motive it might be made at any other time. When the man made his appearance, Orlando, prepared he was for the sight of a ruffian, felt something like horror. His countenance, shaded by two immense black eyebrows, his shaggy hair and the fierce and wild expression of his eyes, gave a complete idea of one of Shakespeare's well-painted assassins. While in contemplating his athletic form, Orlando wondered how he had been able a moment to detain him. He wore a dirty rain frock stained with ochre, which looked like blood, and over it one of those thick great coats which the vulgar call rascal wrappers. Orlando poured him out a tumbler of wine and bade him sit down. The fellow obeyed, drank of his wine, and then, after surveying the room, "'said turning with a sly look to Orlando. "'What, master? "'She been here till I, then?' "Pooh, pooh!" cried Orlando. "'Let's forget that, good Jonas. "'Your eyes deceived you. "'There was nobody here, "'and I assure you it was well you disappeared as you did, "'or you would have paid for your peeping." "'showing one of his pistols. "'Aye, aye,' answered Jonas. "'You've got a pair of bulldogs, I see.' And I added he pulling the pocket pistol from his underfrock, I've a tale or two about me, and twas ten to one, Mr. Orlando, if I had not given a pretty good guess who it was that I had not taken you for an officer and treated you with more sugar-plums than would have not set easy upon your stomach, we are good friends now, however, said Orlando, so drink Jonas to our better acquaintance he then gave him another full tumbler of wine and began to question him on his exploits he found him one of those daring and desperate men who knowing they are to accept no mercy disclaim all hope and resolutely prey upon the society which has shaken them off he had been drinking before Orlando met him and now the wine with which Orlando plied him and the voice of kindness with which he spoke to him, contributed to open his heart. Jonas disclosed to Orlando all the manoeuvres, and it was not without astonishment that he found both Snellcraft, the coachman, and Patterson so deeply engaged among the smugglers, and deriving very considerable sums from the shelter they afforded them and the participation of their illicit gains. Orlando found that during the whole winter. weather when no other vessels kept at sea these adventurous men pursued their voyages and carried their cargoes through the country in weather when one's enemy dog would hardly be turned from the door orlando after some consideration on the means of escaping that interruption which this combination among the servants in the house seemed to threaten told the man as if in confidence and under the restraint he was in in mrs rayland's house he sometimes found it convenient to go out after the family were in bed to see at a neighbouring town some friends among whom mrs rayland disliked he should see and therefore said i wish jonas that as i should not wish to interrupt you you would give me some signal on those nights when you are at work in the cellar this the smuggler readily promised and they agreed upon the sign which should signify the importation or exportation of the merchandise of mr patterson from the cellars of his mistress orlando possessing this secret flattered himself that his very extraordinary acquaintance would keep his word and that the communication between the study and the apartment of Monimia might once more be open without making her liable those terrors from which she had suffered so much the man whom orlando continued to behold with a mixture of horror and pity was now nearly overcome with the wine he had drunk and began to relate long closing stories of his escapes and his exploits in which he related instances of dauntless courage tarnished however by brutish ferocity at length orlando reminded him that day was soon approaching and saw him out of the chapel door, repeating his assurances that nothing of what he had himself that night discovered should transpire. Orlando then fastened the chapel and the other doors, and betook himself to his repose, thinking less about the meeting that was to take place as he believed on the morrow, than on the recent discovery he had made, which nearly quieted his terrors in regard to Monimia's having been seen and he impatiently longed for an opportunity to communicate with her the satisfaction which he hoped she would derive from his assurance. The late hour at which he had gone to bed, and the fatigue of the mind he had experienced the preceding day, occasioned it to be later than usual when Orlando woke, he started up, and recollecting that he had some writing to finish for Mrs. Rayland and that he was to meet Sir John Belgrave at twelve o'clock, he hastened to dress himself, and had hardly done so before he received a summons to attend his father, who waited for him, as usual, in the stable-yard. He found Mr. Somerife again on horseback, and easily understood that his purpose was to keep him from his appointment, to which, however, he was positively determined to go, While his father, in a peculiar strain of detection and concern, was yet talking to him as he leaned on the horse, Mrs. Leonard saw them from one of the windows, and having acquainted her lady, she, contrary to her usual reserved treatment of Mr. Sunrise, sent down a very civil message requesting his company with Orlando to breakfast. This invitation, so flattering because so unusual, was of course accepted, the knew that mrs rayland was acquainted with the affair which hung over him with an aspect so threatening and hoped that she would unite with him in persuading orlando to those concessions which might yet afford the means of evading it if the general's interposition should fail instead of which he found her elated with the idea of punishing the audacity of sir john fearless of any danger which in the attempt might happen to Orlando, and by querying herself on the supposition that in him had received a spark of that martial and dauntless spirit which she had been taught to believe characterized the men of her family. She seemed surprised and somewhat offended at the alarm mr Somerib expressed, and hinted in no very equivocal terms that this timidity was the effect of that mixture of plebeian blood from that alloy of which Orlando of all the family seemed exempt while Mr. Someride in his turn beheld he with a degree of horror and disgust a woman who to gratify her pride or avenge her quarrel on so trifling a subject was ready to promote perhaps the death of one of her women who she had appeared to feel some degree of affection with views and opinions so different that conference was not likely to be either very long or very satisfactory, Mr. Someride knew that when Mrs. Rayland had once taken up an opinion, argument against it offended, but never convinced her, and that in proportion as her reasoning was feeble, her resolution was firm, thus baffled in his hopes of her effectual interposition. And seeing that Orlando was bent upon keeping his appointment, of which the hour was now at hand, Mr. Someride sat awhile silent, mortified and wretched, hoping yet fearing for the success of the general's interposition and considering what he should do if it failed. He had just determined to obtain a warrant immediately, to put both parties under arrest, when a servant brought to him the following letter my dear sir i am now with sir john belgrave and as i know the very natural and tender solicitude which you and your amiable family are under i lose not a moment in doing myself the pleasure to assure you that sir john contests to give the matter up and that without any occasion from your son that may be derogatory to his honour if sir john allows me to say that he is sorry for what has passed It can surely not be too much for Orlando to make him the same concession. I have great satisfaction in communicating to you the success of my sincere endeavours to be serviceable and have the honour to be. My dear sir, your most devoted servant, Charles Ferdinand Tracy. Mr. Sumerive read this billet with a beating heart. Apprehensive that the interposition of mrs Rayland would prevent Orlando from making even the slight apology which General Tracy detected, Mr. Someroy read this billet, and with a beating heart, apprehensive that the interposition of Mrs. Rayland would prevent Orlando from making even the slight apology which General Tracy dictated, and seeing him restless, and meditating how to escape, he hastily bade mrs Rayland good morning and ordering in a more peremptory voice than he generally assumed Orlando to follow him he left the room and as soon as he was alone with his son put into his hands the letter he had received at the same time telling him that he must be obeyed in the command he laid upon him and to make immediately the concessions required Orlando convinced that he ought to do so after the appeal he had himself consented to make to the general, assured his father of his obedience, they found on inquiry that General Tracy's servant had been sent first to West Wolverton, from whence Mrs. Somerive had, in the most terrifying state of suspense, hasted him to Bayland Hall, where he now waited. Orlando therefore attended his father into his own room, where, being furnished with pen and ink. Mr. Samurai wrote to the general in those terms that appeared requisite, and to which Orlando did not object. The letter was then instantly dispatched by the servant, and thus ended an affair which had so much disturbed the peace of the Somerai family, and threatened consequences still more painful. Samurai now ordered his son to return to Mrs. Rayland, show her the general's letter, and inform her that the business was ended as much to his honour as her highest notions of what was due to a descendant of sir hildebrand whose blood was less allowed than that of the rest of his family could exact mr summeryves said thus with some degree of asperity, for though pleased with the partiality of mrs rayland from orlando he could not but feel the contempt which she expressed towards himself He told Orlando he expected him to dinner and then returned home, his mind relieved from intolerable load, and his heart swelling with gratitude towards his excellent friend General Tracy End of Volume two Chapter two Recording by Elaine Webb, Bristol, England